everyone. This is a bonus episode of Real Talk. So as you all know, you've listened and watched Real Talk throughout lockdown number two. But what caught my attention is Marcus's Gratitude Hub on Instagram. Now, I went to school with Marcus. We were children when we first met at primary school. And here we are again, reconnecting, um, like I said, through the Gratitude Hub. So hello, Marcus. Hi, Lucy. You are right? Yeah, thank you for doing this with me. It's so great to see you. My pleasure, and it's great to see you too, to be fair. Thank you. I'd love to hear more about the Gratitude Hub and where it come about. Like, how did how did it come about? Tell me more. Right, so originally for me, it was... Um, I got to a point in my life where stuff happened personally at work, um, and... I, I subscribed to a six-week counselling session with, and that was through through public the public sector of, and then I just sat there and I thought things were always happening to me, and I always felt like I was down in the dumps and at my worst. So um, instead of thinking these things are happening for me, um, so I created the gratitude hub for myself, selfishly enough, just to give myself a bit of a boost. Um, and just to think of sort of ways to motivate myself. Um, and it sort of was a personal thing at first. I didn't actually put it on Instagram. And then I thought, why not share what I'm doing or share my journey with other people because other people potentially could be in the same space that I was in. Um, so I, I shared a few posts um, on my personal Instagram and then I created the Gratitude Hub. And the Gratitude Hub basically was there just as a platform for people and myself to sort of share some motivational quotes um, and tips and stuff to get people through tough days, even if it's not tough days or good days, just to just to help them through, really. So that's amazing, um, isn't it? Because that's interesting how we've connected. Because that's exactly what I've done with Real Talk. So even though we had connected through the Gratitude Hub again, and I'd seen your your work and what you were doing, I straight away thought, we need to have a bonus episode on this because we're both trying to do the same thing, but creating it at different stages in our lives, all for us, but with the hope that we can support others on their journey and kind of destigmatizing mental health and just speaking about it. Like, even if it's not mental health, you know, it sounds really serious to people that are first introduced to stress, and stress yeah. management and yeah. um, you spoke about like a six-week counseling course that you had to help you recognize you know differences and different perspectives and everybody 100%. listening and watching knows that, that I'm a counselor too so we can really appreciate the journey I think yeah. where we've come from and where we are now 100% yeah no I just really feel like it was one of those things and it was one of those things that was said in during my counseling that said that you're you're sitting in a boat and your life's a boat. And I was always trying to be a people pleaser, Mr. Nice Guy, trying to make sure everyone around me was okay, but forgot myself in that situation. So she said, every time you do something that you're not really wanting to do, you put a pebble in your boat, and you've just put too many pebbles in the boat, and the boat's just now dropped. So it's, it was it was good to sort of get that. That, that was really a, a sort of, a, I don't know, a, a light going off in my head. Yeah. <laughs> And it just made me realise actually that I need to be more grateful for what I've got and actually look after myself. It's, in, it's about self first sort of thing. So much. Um, oh, there was a bit of interference there. For those of you listening, for 
any of you that have trained already on my mental health first aid courses or are watching this with interest in training on mental health first aid courses, what Marcus is referring to with the boats and the pebbles is very similar to a stress container. So when you go through talking therapy, um, counsellors, psychotherapists can use visuals to try and help us visually see like the weight that we're carrying on our shoulders and because with physical health you know we can kind of see when we break an arm or we sprain something or we have a bandage around our head or whatever but when we think physically um in relation to our mental health when we create that visual it can help us understand it you said that you are you know you were a people pleaser and yeah, i'm sure there's sure. so many people that can relate to that marcus yeah probably yeah, i can imagine so but at the time did you feel like you could relate to anybody else with your struggles no oh, no 100 percent not so i just uh thought it was it's weird because i just thought it was just me i thought i was that person in that position and there's no one else around that was like that it was just i was trying my best to make sure everyone around me was okay I was like, why is no one else doing the same thing? Um, you asking Marcus? Of course. And I just, I, I assumed and I thought that I was the only person trying to do this. And that's why I decided that actually having some some talking therapy would help me. Um, and it, it really did, really help me. Um, and it just, there was words I used during it. Like, I, they asked me what I, my best trait was. And I said, I'm selfless. And... I remember my counselor saying that that means you're less of self. And I was like, and she was like, you put yourself last, which actually that's, you're, you're losing your self-worth. And I was like, oh, ouch, like real harsh truths that made me think, okay, cool. And it's stuff that I need to really work on personally that being, I hate the word selfish, but being selfish sometimes will benefit others more around me. And- real part of being not people pleaser but just making sure that people around me are okay but I've got to do me too as well if you get what I'm saying 100% there's a thing called positive selfish and I prefer that phrase because you put a a positive word in front of it and I would say like that counsellor that supported you you know positive selfish is essential it is essential that we look after ourselves before we even think about looking after anybody else, despite the level of love or care or want. It's, you know, I have a background in aviation and the first thing they say to us is that we fit our oxygen mask before we put anybody else's on. And I've carried that with me in any other industry or line of work. You know, I think that whether I'm on the, the aircraft or teaching courses within aviation, that that line seems to fit in any any walk of life that I find myself in discussing mental health. And that's so true. Like, I just realised when you're on a plane and they say, put your mask on first before you put others on. And you don't... I, and I always hear that and go, what about, what about my child? Like, but I, yeah. I, I do generally feel... But you're right. You have to put your own mask on before you can give each other. Yeah, that's really... I didn't even think of that, but that's really cool. Like, I just, <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad I'm glad it, glad it helped. What do you think about why you didn't um, feel like you were necessarily supported at the time what do you think contributed to that as a you know as a young man like growing up and figuring out life anyway um what do you think contributed to you not speaking before you got to your talking therapy um i don't i mean that's that's a really good question i don't i can't put my finger on it but i genuinely think that i was just 
I think growing up with my with my my mum being in the care industry for so long, and then I fell into the care industry too. So I've always been a person to care. I've always worked in the care industry. So it's people putting others first. I didn't uh, know that about you. I didn't know that you've done that. So I worked. So I left. So I went from working in the gym. Um, to working in a pool club and then I got a call from a friend that uh, I went to, to primary school with um, and he told me there's a job going up at Oakland's College and he said go and see what you think and I, I went there and I was there for 11 years but it was a care job and I've been I'm still in care now been in care for my whole basically my whole adult life and I've always been a carer always been the person to put everyone else first before me Mm-hmm. Uh, that was during when I was supporting people, I would put the person first. When I was teaching, I'd put the support assistants first. And I always seemed to always blow, like burn myself out and then would worry about me after. But I didn't have time to worry about me because mm-hmm. every, day, every day I had to look after other people. So I feel like that's just been ingrained in me over the years. So I don't feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's, it's due to, I'm not, discouraging the care world I love the care world but I feel like because I was in care that I would just care outside of my work bubble as well completely mm-hmm. just put everyone else first you mentioned your mum there do you think there's generational factors within all of our parents and our elders that do they ask us if we're okay do you know what I mean like what they ask us now was it really different when we were younger like what was going on for you with like older people in your life or older, older siblings or relatives? Like, I know for uh, me, even when I sit with my 90 year old grandparents now, I'm not sure they even know what mental health means, you know? It's, it's, no. And that's not their fault either. It's, yeah, like, what I feel do you like, yeah. Generation? Mm. That's a re- again, another good question. Like, I feel like, yeah, with a generation above, like, as my parents. I'm very much open with my child, very much open to tell her that I can, I love her all the time and I've always, but I don't feel like, and that's not their fault, but I feel like my parents weren't inclined that way. They, yeah, as long as food was on the table, as long as I had a roof over my head, as long as I was yeah, clothed, that should represent love. That should represent care, that should represent, and it does. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know, yeah, yeah. I feel like the generation above never really had that thing of asking if we were okay, asking if, do you know I mean? Like it was the physical things that, that showed that, that they were loved or to see if we we're okay. If, if I'm fed, if I've got clothes on my back, I should be okay. So that's, doesn't, do you know I mean, that doesn't, that asking the question shouldn't really be a thing, but yeah. Totally no, really our, our thing was food and it still is. I've kind of kept it as a positive. Like if we're all eating together, like just if we're having a meal together, we're together, we're connected. There's, there's food there it's like a social connection thing and I guess that's something that I've probably kept going with my generation but then it makes me think as you're talking about school and like we obviously met in primary school and yeah our journey is going through secondary school so what did that mean for us then you know like when we're in secondary school if we've all got parents of a similar age and we're all sort of being shown love in a di- and love and care in a different way and then here we are with our own kids like creating the next generation and yeah. I look at within a primary school, you know, my kids have got reflection books, they've got mental health leads, they've got people who they can talk to about recognizing differences in behavior and when they feel sad or good. And 
that wasn't coming for us until we're like what out of secondary school like on the yeah I, pro- I don't know if you'd agree with that but well I, I personally think that I wasn't really guided down that route until until recently and that was that was self-guiding that wasn't someone going oh if you're having an issue speak to this person or I feel like that was my own personal journey that led me that way yeah and, and what I was doing as an extracurricular is coaching basketball I was coaching with younger kids mm. who were open to talk to me about things and I was like whoa like that's some some real deep stuff that I would have never spoken to my coach about because my coach was all about winning basketball games and if you win you're happy that's that's yeah. the be all and end all but for me I sort of watched them like converse with me and the longevity of of not just coaching basketball, but the, the, the friendships I've built with the guys who are now in their mid-20s, finished university and, and still speak to them to the day, is more that happiness vibe. And I'm happy to connect with them and stuff. So I do, yeah, I feel like the, the, the journey of, of, self, of self-guidance and, uh, and the mental well-being stuff is great for the, the, the generation coming up now. So our children's generation, but we never had anything like that through school for me. It was, Get up, get on, get your GCSE, your mocks and GCSEs done, and go about your life, really. And that was that's what I felt, really, to be honest. But it wasn't bad looking back then. I didn't think of anything looking back then. I was just playing basketball. I was at school. I was the typical jock at school, the basketball England basketball player, and just got just got on with things. And that was it. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I look back now, and obviously with all my advanced skill set as I sit here today and you're on your journey of figuring out your journey too within coaching and anything really like supporting I think about what you said when you said at school it it didn't feel like we didn't know any different right so it's only when we look back that we're like oh okay that was probably that I remember that I you know I started recognizing my own anxiety around the time that my second child was born and I spoke about that on the last episode that um, I, I posted episode four but really I think when I go deeper and look back and on my you know like we all saying my own self like my own self-motivation of wanting to know more about me my self-discovery I realized that my anxiety started much sooner like there's yeah. so many types of expression of stress like how we physically can present when we're stressed as well like for me it was I just was so irritable all the time I had quite bad skin when I was at school so I just sit like picking my skin and I it got to a point where I thought oh my god I'm just doing it now and causing harm to myself and it wasn't until I was educating myself on self-harm and the differences of self-harm and realizing that there's hair pulling and there's all different types of things and I thought, oh my God, that's been me my whole life. I wonder if a teacher or a mental health support lead that we have now, like in primary schools, or even just a, a peer or a, an, an elder, you know, had, had noticed, like, why are you picking, like, your skin so much? Or why, you know, like, just ask me the question, like, are you okay? Like, what's making you do that? Or, yeah. you know, I wonder now if it would be different, Um and like you say, I, I only hope that it is. And I hope for the next generation that it is better because we look at where we are in our mid-30s going into our 40s and here we are on like 
self-discovery and our journey yeah. of like figuring it out but yeah if we can stop this earlier then maybe sure. there will be less crisis and less suicide and less yeah. you know negative space for when our future generations get into the 30s 40s age bracket 100 percent, and that's the that's the hope i'm hoping that that's the the future hoping that in time that we've just we grow a, a generation of young people who are aware of their their mental health their mental well-being and and are able to to sort of self-regulate um instead of uh worry to sort of not knowing what was going on because I, I probably i can't think of a time in school when i was but i i can i can definitely think that there must have been times where i was completely anxious mm. maybe mm. my gcse's because mm. i felt like my road was basketball mm. Mm. i was gonna throw and there was nothing no one i didn't really i didn't really um apply myself in education mm. And I really didn't have a plan B. I didn't have a plan of what I wanted to do if basketball fell through. Mm. Uh, and that made me anxious now. And I was still at school and I always thought, oh, do you know what, basketball? And then I got to to an age and I injured myself and, and I got out of school and was just sort of jumping through jobs, gym, the pool club, and then got into care. And I sort of just led that way for for over a decade now. I've probably been in care for about 15 years now. So, so yeah. was it the injury that stopped your basketball path so i mean it probably was that <laughs> and probably because i thought i was gonna make it so i didn't actually put the the full effort in and and the full i think it's my apathy to be fair i think my own apathy made me and because i never i mean i never experienced failure throughout school and stuff um in terms of basketball because i was part of a local school and and the county tournaments and all the coaches knew me and even in the England setup, all the coaches knew me through. So I didn't really ever feel like I was ever going to fail. Um, it's interesting you use the word fail, isn't it? Like what yeah. the word fail means to you now and what yeah. it meant to you then. And yeah. you mentioning England here, I feel like it's a disservice to not highlight this. Did you play basketball for England? I was a national player. So I played, I represented East England um at under 15s and then i represented um the national team in a friendly so it wasn't anything i, I played but in a friendly game um and yeah so i, I represented the country once in a friendly match yeah yeah I mean, yeah I've, I've worn a jersey I, I and it was it was one of the probably proudest moments in terms of sporting in my life i can so, imagine uh, yeah it was great but yeah so yeah how, it's interesting that you've said that and you've used the word fa failure that it was one of the best times of your life but failure quickly followed in the sentence that that you were describing it you know it's like what happened when you felt that failure how were you held how were you supported how were you guided at that time you know it's it's interesting isn't it that now we look well, back and we think yeah. about our own children and how, how we would support them if how we would encourage them around the word failure as well. Like, is it a failure or is it a learning? Like, it's where are we at? Stop, it's a comma. I always say it's not a full stop, it's a comma. It's just another... I love that. <laughs> not a full, yeah. yeah, it's a comma in your life. So you just, the sentence is maybe just needs to change. And that's it. It's not a full stop. Don't think it's over. You've got other things to do. And I always, but I think 
again as, as a coaching not even with my my daughter with with the guys i coach basketball to um if we lose a basketball game we reflect on things that we done really well as well yeah, as things yeah. so it's about a, the, the whole approach of hey like we might have lost the basketball game yeah but what's success and what's, what is failure and that, and that's always been my approach as a basketball coach so in terms of i'm going to do the same thing to my child like growing up with her she's if something happens in, in a sport or in anything she takes part in we won't talk about you've won you've lost it's about what did you learn how can we 100% go in another direction it's not about it's letting her know that it's okay to in a fail as i saw it as but it's okay to to not be there yet but you can get there so yeah yeah, yeah. increase that self-belief I suppose like in different ways and just take everything as a absolute learning I know that I felt so frustrated I'm really impatient person but I've been really working on that in the last probably about 10 years and I would always think like but why is everything happening now like this is exactly where I'm wanting to go like why you know why 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 until I start just calming down a bit and pausing and thinking maybe it's not meant to happen right now maybe there's a reason for that and am I really giving this enough focus and 100% of me am I really doing my best or am I expecting it you know I think it's interesting what you're saying like we we can all become complacent when we have a skill set like you know you were really good and you probably still are I've never seen Marcus play for those of you watching and listening I'm not critiquing his basketball skills but still a really good basketball player you know and it's I'm glad that you've kept that going like in yeah. your life um, yeah for sure it's been a constant it's all been a constant is that is that self-care then is that what self-care looks like what about self-care what does that mean to you for me that's probably what it is it probably mm. is that, that that sport is an outlet and that's not just and as as a because I injured myself when I was 17 I stopped playing for about four years um and it probably was a moment where looking back at it now it probably was a really low point in, in my my life where i i put a lot of in terms of physical i put a lot of weight on i wasn't interested in sport too much i just really just went down that whole i'm not really interested in anything i got back into the sport probably about 21 22 mm-hmm. um and just got back in like in terms of basketball fitness Got back in the game, played a lot, really enjoyed it, made a lot of friends who, one, I still play with now, or two, are lifelong friends forever. Um, and then as the years, as my legs have slowed down and with the IQ, the, the intelligence of the game still there, I've, I've started coaching and that's given me another lease of a situation where I might not be able to run with the guys, but I can try and guide them to make decisions. It's not about guiding them to win, it's about guiding them to to, to grow as, as as people I love that uh, you're supporting them I am um, I wonder you know I don't think it would be a, doing a disservice to the females listening but I wonder if sport is connective especially with men and men's mental health and I'm watching I'm a celebrity at the moment I don't know if you are but no, Mo, really. Mo was talking about this he had come from Somalia he couldn't speak any English he was at school and he said the only way I could communicate with people was to just kick a football about I kicked a football about and suddenly I felt connected with people and suddenly I felt like I had that unity again but I couldn't necessarily speak the language 
And I wonder within men's mental health and the stigma and discrimination that's associated within men and speaking about their feelings and the highest suicide rate in males. I wonder if sport is a massive help for males because you you don't necessarily have to talk. But no. you can feel good in the process, you know, like 90 minutes of football. I don't know how long a basketball um, is it a basketball game is, but you don't have to speak, but you still get that natural rush of adrenaline, you know, like that feel good. What do you yeah, think about that? No, I completely agree. I, I completely agree. I feel like that for me, sport has really, and I've carried it on with my fitness, like everything to do with sport, it's fitness cool. activity has really helped my mental health. And you're right, like, when I first got back into basketball, I remember having trials at, at the team that I was at. I got in, and there was two or three players I didn't really enjoy their company at first. But on the court, we were family. Mm. Off the floor, we weren't. But you look back at it now, and and I still speak to those guys now because we share that common ground. And I felt like over the years, as I've built friendships with my teammates that are still here now, or just my lifelong friends that are not playing anymore it gave me a platform to talk to them about mm. my mental health and, and and then they'd open up about stuff that they were going through and 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 it's crazy that to think that again as you said when you you can sit there and think you're on your own but there's a lot of people out there who are going through similar stories going through not similar stories but similar situations where actually just a conversation opened up really makes a difference really makes a difference just there's even that there's that saying at the moment isn't there like we're we're all in the same storm but in different boats and it goes back to your boat you know analogy again and metaphor from your therapist at the time it's we're all going through this together but we are really subjective with what is happening for us like what's happening for you what's happening for me is completely different levels of stress and perspective but talking you know whether it's sport whether it's going for a coffee there's no difference if a, if a girlfriend or, you know, a male friend, anybody says to me, do you want to grab a coffee, loose? Like, if you seem stressed. Or, Marcus, do you want to grab a ball? And we just get out there and, just, you know, chuck the ball around for a bit. Or whatever, you know. It's, just, it's yeah. meaning the same thing. And I suppose it's, it's stigma again, isn't it? And just breaking down the boundaries of talking, honestly. And just connecting with people in a pandemic is so difficult to find that level of connection where we we've been used to it you know like luckily with outdoor activities it hasn't been too restrictive but no. it's, it's still not necessarily been the same especially in the first lockdown did it affect you much with basketball or not really massive i mean for me luckily as i said communication's great with my with my teammates and stuff so we we managed to get on some whatsapp video calls have conversations but um but in terms of actually playing, that's where the core love for all of us is. A, a massive common ground is we weren't able to play at all. And because we're not all from the same sort of area, some of them are from, well, I, I play in Watford. So some of them are from Watford. Some are, one, one guy lives in, in up in Bedford. Um, so we're all dotted around the place. So trying to find, obviously, a common place or somewhere where we can, yeah. we can play is... is yeah. But again, as I said, like it could, I, we've got a massive WhatsApp group where we've got two teams... Yeah. 25 guys in there and we would just message on the group hi guys gonna play a three on three in the park and this this is the address who wants in mm-hmm. and people just message and people that i wouldn't speak to outside basketball mm-hmm. but we've got that common ground of and again it's that it's that enjoyment it's that stress reliever it's all that stuff that that men 
without talking about things can can do without having to broach a conversation or broker a conversation about how they're feeling um, can do. So yeah. It takes me back to when you were talking about your parents and my parents as well, like loving us, but showing it in different ways. And I think men and listening to your WhatsApp group, it's the same. It's like, we love each other. We're family. We're still looking out for each other, but we're just saying it in a different way. Like, shall we just meet up? You know, who's about? It's the same thing. It's that connective. It's basically, I hope you're okay. Are you okay? Let's get together. And, And it's saying the same thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's about just caring. It comes back to what you're saying, you know. I know that you're in the caring, you know, all of that. But yeah. if you just break it down to care, kindness, and just connecting to people and talking about things, whether you're male, female, or anything in between, just anybody caring for another, to ask them to engage in any sort of activity, whether it's sport or, or anything, can only be a benefit, surely. 100%. I um, want to thank you for chatting to me. I'd love, after this video and podcast, for people to head over to the Gratitude Hub. Um, I'll tag Marcus in underneath the video and share it on my podcast. That'd be great. Thank you. Do you have any final thoughts for anybody watching, listening about the Gratitude Hub or, or men's mental health or anything that you want to kind of end with, Marcus? Um, no, not really. I mean, I could, I can talk about, I, th- I feel like uh, we were, we were sort of brushing on the generation type thing. Um, and I just, I, I wanted to sort of quickly brush over that. I, I feel like this all ties into the mental health situation where our, our generation above us, um, are very different from the generation that we're, we're up, bringing up now. Um, that how we are part of a... I mean, the word lost is, is crazy, but we're a part of a generation where we are part of generations of 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 people who are, again, men's mental health for me personally, told to sort of just put whatever feelings you've got in the pit of your stomach and, and, and carry on with life. And the, and the stigma of man up is, is said a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you're stuck in a generation of... Of, kit, of of the generation now, as you said, with the mental health books and, and someone to talk to if they have any issues. Like, so we're sort of in the middle of, of where, where do we lean on, really? Um, but you sort of your guys who, again, as I said, I've, I've known a few people who have taken their own lives due to mental, mental health, uh, negative mental health issues. But then you've got people like that I believe leaning towards more of actually let's talk about this because we don't want another young man or person who's a dad or or a, a friend of people taking their own life so I, I just feel like there is a huge sway in our generation of, of mid-30 early to mid-30s that just that just need to I don't know need to just sort of be open to to have conversations and broker conversations about it because it's really tough to 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 think that potentially people could be suffering mm-hmm. in their own four walls and won't come out and speak about it. So yeah, I think that's the only thing really that in terms of wanting to say is just probably the last thing I need to, to say just to wrap up and and if, if, ne- if people need to, to have a, a shout, a conversation, hit me up on the Gratitude Hub. My personal account is linked into to my page. So even if it's a conversation, you know me, you don't know me, I'm happy to chat to anyone about anything. So 
Thank you, Marcus. That goes for both of us. And it just echoes again some previous episodes that you don't have to be a professional. You can have a variety of skill set, but just somebody offering to listen, a listening ear, which is where I got the name for my service, because it's anyone's ear is helpful. You know, just anybody that you feel that you can speak to and you can trust. I'd love to just pull on what you were saying, because I highlight the fact that both myself and you have I should have said to yourself and I, I'm terrible. I critique my <laughs> really bad. There's my inner self coming out. But I just feel like it's true. We've gone on the journey ourselves of self-discovery, of educating ourselves, of, you know, tapping into courses, degrees, new skill set, new pathways. Yeah. We're able to educate our children. But what about the lost ones? What about, you know, without sounding so Peter Pan and, and the Hook film, it is what about the lost boys? What about the yeah. lost boys? that are kind of not there yet, but then their kids rock up at home. Like, oh, daddy, like, we was learning about this today. Like, my son's telling me yesterday, I wrote in the reflection book, mummy, at school. And it's like, wow. Even for me in the profession, it's like, wow. We didn't have any any of this. Like, so really, I, I echo what you're saying there. And for anybody listening or watching, it's, if you're struggling you know, your kids could come home one day and tell you how you can look after yourself better. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's a that's a, a funny place to be in, right? Not funny, yeah. ha-ha, just kind of like an awkward, oh, okay. I, it's, it's, I, it's, it's a funny, it's a, it is a funny one, you're right. And it's also quite a beautiful thing, the fact that my is. child could come and tell me or and that's them looking up, looking out for me. And that's, that's I think that's, a, even though it is one of those things where we should be teaching as parents, we also actively listen and learn from the people growing up. So I, I really, even though it is a funny situation to be in, it's, it's a beautiful place to be as well, where the generation below us are, are trying to upskill us um, in terms of positive mental health and making sure that we're in good spaces. So, If there's any message there, it's listen. Listen to our future generation. They might know things that we don't, you know. If anybody watching, listening, whatever age bracket you're in, but if you are in the 30, 40, 50, listen. Listen to the young people. Listen to the to the children, the, the younger generation. The you know, let's let's look at the bigger picture here, even within the pandemic. Let's be kinder to them. They're our future generation and what they're going through at the moment. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah listen listen more definitely well thank you again marcus and Appreciate i hope you all enjoyed watching and listening and this is our bonus episode so i'll tag marcus in and thanks so much bye everyone pleasure